0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Fail With Fire. I am your podcast host, Phoenix Ha, no surprise. I'm also the CEO of Ad Beacon and this podcast is powered by Ad Beacon. Again, surprise. Today, I am so juiced to introduce our guest mainly because he went from being someone I really look up to, which I still do, to a really good friend. And we work alongside each other in a lot of different ways, which again, super grateful for. But what's really funny about Nick, surprise, Nick, say hi.
1: Hey, guys. I'm just listening. I'm listening.
0: <laughs> Nick Shackleford. When I first came into the space in D2C, the director of the department who took a chance on me was like, there's one person I need you to watch on YouTube. His name is Nick Shackleford. He's going to explain Facebook ads to you and tell me what you think. Okay, so that was my first introduction to Nick. Fast forward, I meet him in Dubai. I'm on a panel with him. We start talking, I think like in the speaker's lounge about pod structures, how we see leadership, what we see in the future, and clicked really well in that kind of sense. And then we got on stage, still really great, surreal moment. And then, hey, I'm intertwined with him with GeekX, Geek Out, he asked me to speak again, honored. And then we just rounded out a founder course with Jordan Menard. But for those of you who don't know Nick, Nick has been in the space for over 10 years. He's a partner in Constant Creative, also Structured Agency, Geek Out, Geek events, and We Are Lucid, and most recently just launched Drink Breeze, which I love. I'm not going to lie. If a product is good, I'm going to back it. Welcome, Nick. That's my intro to you. Yeah.
1: It is. There's a lot there. There's a lot. I think I'll go back to, it's funny now, we're... We've been chatting and going back and forth on ideologies and business and just like interests in general for almost two years. It's weird, really weird to think about this. And in, in our space, there is, I, and I literally had this debate this week. Someone was like, why the fuck are the same people talking at the same places all the time? And I'd sit on two, two fences on this, right? Like for someone that is booking people and someone that is paying. These about someone that is getting sponsored. Someone that's doing all the things on a small size and on a very large size. There's a very real reason why these people consistently can get both, or new people break in and get established like yourself. One, you're interesting. Like you actually have a new way of approaching a very novel idea that's been around. Okay. Two, you look interesting. You are different. You look interesting. I always talk. I always make fun of you because I'm like, are you Storm from X Men or are you? But what is the other one is, are you rogue or oh. are you Wednesday from the Adams family? You well, have this like uh, three, you have all of these things. And like, I, I cross these off too. There's every year I've tried to reinvent myself. Most recent one is, as you can tell, like I've tattooed every inch of my body. And so that's a very unique delivery of this. And as I come into year 10, the topic that you and I talked about backstage, which is not a sexy topic or ops team hiring goals. That was not sexy. That was the most recent. And this is what I'm currently getting booked for to do conversations around, which is something that I never thought would be sexy because everyone wants to talk tactics. And I think if you are in this space and you really believe that you have some interesting stuff to say, man, woman, white, black, Asian, doesn't matter what you have to say. You just need to be able to present existing information in a very unique way that someone can actually use. And I think forget that stuff.
0: First of all, this podcast is a talk about you, but thanks for gassing me up. I appreciate it. And then second of all, yeah, I agree with you. I think it was refreshing to be able to sit back with you on a human level and talk about org and your heart for people and leadership, because that's what's important right now. And then, of course, we don't agree on everything, which will go into hot takes, which I already have one. But there's something unique about finding people in the space that just jive with you that just click energy wise, and you don't necessarily have to agree on everything in terms of topic, but at least a feisty and healthy debate is there. And I think the inner circle that you've created fosters that, right? It doesn't have this chip on your shoulder mentality. It's more so of let's debate about this. And maybe I'll change my mind if it's good enough and push me to make it be good enough. And I really appreciate about that about you and GeekX as a little plug, a shameless plug, because I believe in good products, good things. I'm a part of GeekX. I love GeekX. The community that you guys have built, both you and I'm going to say Jimmy as well. And Jane, incredible, incredible. And I tell people about it all the time. And I secretly don't want them to tell you that it's from me because I just want them to see the value in it and then just go. So kudos to you. But before we get into all the mushy and gushy, I have a question for you. If we're at a barbecue, I'd never met you before which could have happened one day if your mom or some family member pulled you and was like phoenix i really want you to meet nick how would they describe what you do what would they say
1: oh fuck. so you get you probably get three different answers depending on who you ask. somebody's going to tell you i'm a motivational speaker because they just don't understand what what doing a discussion or a public talk on marketing really is There's, he's talking people are listening He's a Tony Robbins guy, which is I've deferred this thing from this. Two, they'll tell him like, oh, he he sells products online, which is now true, but before not true because we're just a marketing person. And the last thing is that you don't know. Like even if you ask like my partner or like close people to me, they still don't really fully understand why I have to be at a computer at all times. The thing that I strive for, this is the one thing that I wasn't able to really live into until I would say 2021, like when COVID hit, like when COVID hit. A lot of who is Nick and why is Nick where he's at really came about. I was like very, I felt very okay with myself. I've always been good with myself. Finally stepped into who Nick is and I like fully embraced it. But it was the ability to not look like you work behind a computer, but actually work behind a computer. Like when I get looks or people see me, they're like, this dude is a construction guy. This guy works in construction. There's no way this guy does any sort of thing or has any sort of... on the internet. And that to me is, I like that. I like that. That. Uh, what is the term when you, you look at somebody and they're just a complete opposite of what they are? I like that feeling.
0: I appreciate that feeling. I resonate with that feeling. Also, I think it's sick like to not look like the stereotypical, what you're supposed to be. Like, I definitely travel looking homeless and I love it. And then people will ask me what I do and they usually will assume that I'm like, a waitress or whatever, which is cool. It was awful at it. But then I'll like, oh yeah, I work in data. And they, I think their eyes cross. They just don't expect it. And same with you. You got tatted and you were talking to me about how people approach you now versus before and how that does change. And for me, I never really saw it that way because I've always seen past tattoos with people. But there is still that stigma. There is still this idea that somebody has to be a certain way in a specific career path. And I really made a conscious decision that no matter what I wanted to do I wanted to sit at a boardroom with a beanie on tattoos as a chick and be sick which is why I got my EMBA and for you you've really built your career and built all of this in preparation for your tattoos in my mind or based off of our conversations that personally I think you could have done it a lot sooner and no one would have cared at least I wouldn't have I've been like gassing you up and cheering you on But I have seen so much growth in you within the short amount of time I've met you, and I'm honored to be able to see it from the sidelines, and I'm really happy as to where you are and where you're going. But all those good things aside, all the incredible things that you've built, I guess it leads us into why this podcast even came about. A while back, I came into the space a while back, a few years ago, came into the space, started speaking, and... The constant conversations I was having with people were just very surface level. And you know this about me. I hate surface level conversations. They just give me the ick and the beautiful parts in the relationships that I've had with these people that a lot of people look up to. So a lot of people will look up to you, Nick, and be like, holy shit, it's Nick Shackelford. This idea of Nick, Van Oaks, Sean Mulkeen, who was on here, and hopefully Mark Joyner as well, have this idea of who these people are. But you have no idea who they really are. Yeah. And I'm blessed to see the who they really are before what they do. And I wanted to bring that to the table, but also who they are now. And this idea of who Nick Shackelford is, mm-hmm. is built off of a lot of failures is built off of a lot of heartache and break and whatever you consider a failure. Right. I want yes. you to think about a time that you were at your lowest. It doesn't matter if it was personal, financial, whatever, and how you use that as a catalyst and a fire for who you are today and what's to come.
1: I think the I think the hardest part about it is in this space, you aren't really good enough or you aren't really You're measured in sports, right? Like in sports, you're measured, you're only as good as your last game, you're only as good as your last step bat, you're only as good as your last success. And I think when that came with me from professional sports here you're like you're only as good as your last campaign and the biggest thing for me and a lot of us as the media buyers a lot of us in the paid space like you really live and die by your value of what you're able to generate for your business or other businesses oftentimes it's other businesses because the goal like us winning is keeping a person or a brand with us or an offer with us or large consistent checks coming in right that is where we like literally measure ourselves with the amount of money that we're making ourselves and the bank account that we have and the scale of the campaigns that we have and that's like our immediate worth because you see two things anybody that's talking on stage is usually talking about success we're not talking about a loss twitter instagram it's all success building because it's a perception that you have to keep up or else why am i going to hire a loser there's all these things out there so even if you aren't in that area you're if i want to be good or grow or build in the space, I have to always look like I'm winning. And it's fucking difficult and it's really hard. And what the transition is, and I actually went through the worst transition. And why I told you it was like 2021, 2022. 2020 to 2022 was really big for me. It was structured the agency at the largest. It was 2021,
0: 2021
1: through 2022, back up of 22 is when we started changing where we're currently at. We were over 100 employees over a hundred brands, and I was the CEO. Shouldn't have been the CEO. Shouldn't have been the person to do the things that we were doing at that size. Because I never wanted that. Like I never wanted a big team. I never wanted a thing. But as most of us know in the space that we're early in on the space, if you have a couple wins, like you just get, everybody comes to you. They're going to want to work with you. They're going to, no matter what you can do, you're the rainmaker. You can make it happen. And so for the longest time, I was just riding this. If you have core value of worth and execution, and then all of a sudden you don't execute, you talk to the people that are executing and they're not executing to the level you want, but it's your reputation, yeah, you you have a weird, really weird dilemma, who you are, what you do and who you are publicly. And I think the worst thing that you get, and I haven't been able to express this until right now, but like the worst thing you get is when you are about to talk about something. Perfect example, the founder, course, where you and Jordan are in on V2. I launched V1. Super good success. They were stoked on it. They wanted to do number two. They go, Nick, jump back in. I go, I'm not running ads. I go, I'm not doing this. I can speak to it. I know it. I didn't forget. It's like riding a bike, but I'm not in it day to day and shit has changed. So I was like, what if I did this? What if I had people that are actually in there running it, Jordan and you? And bring them in and facilitate this. And so that whole feeling of I scaled the company to where I needed it to be off of reputation and execution, took a title that it shouldn't have been my title, moved out of the title and gave it to my co-founder, renegotiated equity with my co-founder, continued to build the team in the direction I thought it needs to be. And then all of a sudden now we're back to where I finally am like, okay, I'm good with who I am. So these last two years, three years have been so fucking ridiculous. It didn't say.
0: You're saying it like it's. I said this in another episode. Two things usually happen when I ask someone to share their failure. One is they'll really just sit back into the failure as if they were there and it just hits them all over again. And the second one, which is what you're doing, is you glaze over it like it was the past and you don't want to. Like it fucking happened. I hate it, but you don't want to get into it because I understand that feeling. And maybe I'm misunderstanding, but. Something that you said that I think really resonated with me was you're like, hey, someone's expecting a level of excellence from you because your name's on it, but people who are executing might not do it to the same degree that you did it. And I think it's like the same idea of you go to a restaurant and you get mad at the waitress for how the food was prepared, right? It's different. It's a different understanding, but why are you getting mad at the waitress if she did it was just doesn't make any sense. She didn't cook your food. He didn't cook your food. But it's also the same thing with media buying. When you're leading, right? You move up to director role and then you move up to maybe a VP role. For you, you were a CEO and founder. And then who's to say Nick's going to have his hand in every single campaign, every single success story. And even when you were, you don't always win. But now me no. back in, what what was that feeling like? Like all these things, because you're juggling a lot, Nick. There are so many things that you're yeah. juggling. Every day I go back and I go, I hope Nick's okay. How did that impact you knowing that you had to move away from your CEO role and restructure?
1: You know, really, even to this day, even think about it. I took the ability, so I announced this in Dubai when I like, was like, hey, like, I'm, this is the story of where our growth has been. This is our trajectory. And this is the personal learning. So I didn't go too deep into it, but it really rocked me because you're, there's so many of us that have their. So the thing at geek out there, I love, and some of that's, it's like, when you have a business card, it's like, it's called front of the card, back of the card. If you have your business card in the front, it usually says like Phoenix, ha, huh, CEO, founder, ad beacon. Right, and on the back of it's like your contact information or more details on where they can get a hold of you. Whereas if you think about your life as a business card, your front of it usually is like the forward-facing thing that's always like who you are, what what's your role. On the back of it's contact information, hard stop. But if you have the de- the real end is the front should be that, but the back should be what you do on a day-to-day basis and what you are uniquely good at, better than most other people. And so what I found out in doing this, of I am not a CEO. And the CEO role should be doing this. That's leading, communicating a little bit of ops. Well, what I'm really good at is rep partnerships and growth and overall communicating the things that are being done. That was something that I realized it's not less valuable. It's just not a big, how do I realize? The releasing of the sexy title of that CEO is not what, I, it should have been the problem about it, but it was. Cause I, I thought my identity and my worth was wrapped up in the title and that's so many people I feel go to that, especially if they make partnerships.
0: Yeah. Identity. I don't know who's pinging me. Identity and title titled with self-worth is crazy. Crazy. I actually just had this conversation with my partner at ad Vegan. I was like, I could give a fuck about being the CEO and having X amount come through on a paycheck. I'm really invested in what the long term can be and you could literally title me janitor and I'd be fine. But if you would have had that conversation with me five years prior, by the way, don't know if you know this, when I had modeled, I got a lot of really good deals. This kind of resonates to what or parallels what you were saying. A lot of really good deals. What I mean by that is I get a call from a friend of mine who's an influencer. She like, hey, we're going to Ibiza. Do you want to come with me? I'm like, the hell? Okay, sure. But I don't have the money for it because I was broke. It was net 90 for... When you modeled, you barely got paid. So you have to kept keep working to keep up. And she said, no, you're not paying for anything. It's an influencer trip. So always they put a title. She's a model, all of her like accolades, et cetera. I stopped modeling. So I lost that pull. Therefore, nobody wanted to hang out with me anymore. It was like this value was gone. And I had lost so much in terms of business clout too at one point. And nobody was inviting me to anything anymore. Nobody wanted to talk to me anymore interesting which is why i now don't value titles which is why i value people i don't value what we in this space i think are moving away from now thank god but value at this current state you start to see that and then you start to rebuild and you put into perspective who the fuck cares and i think i've said this on every single episode if you can wake up at the end of the day have enough in your bank account to support the people that you love make sure everyone's good make sure that you have enough saved away you're fucking great Forget the title. So for you to understand that titles don't mean shit and you have to move away from it and self-worth is not connected to that is huge.
1: We also think about like this, this space that we're in, like the goal is you have to stay as relevant as possible to have any sort of longevity and relevancy is it will shift, but it has to be authentic to what you're currently doing or people will sniff out bullshit. It goes back to If you're going to be talking about a specific topic and you aren't actually doing that thing anymore, the worst thing you can do is produce or share or talk about those things. Because then all of a sudden you're like, fuck this guy, fuck this girl. They're not talking. They're not even doing the things that they're talking about. And so that's really difficult. And that's the thing where people go, even changing identity of topics of things I was going, I was known as Nick the Facebook guy. And I felt publicly, I was like, what can I talk about? How can I share about this stuff? I'm not doing it. And then that frame went from, here's what we've learned from the team. Then that frame went to, okay, here's the creative strategy because that's what I'm doing. And then it moved into team and then it moved into organization. And then the the trend of the industry, which is something I'm very fortunate to speak upon this week alone, you have major events like traffic and conversion, social media examiner, grow LA, grow New York, affiliate world, Out of world. You look at all of these, right? You think about who's getting booked and why they're getting booked and what are the topics? Look at affiliate world just five years ago. Look at affiliate world, the most recent one in Barcelona. Majority of the people that are on there are no longer just affiliates. They're like holistic marketing. There's e-com. There's like a bunch of different areas that are being covered. And because you have, because that's where the market is changing. And that's where A, the sponsorship dollars are coming from. So you have to think about this stuff as like, where's the industry going? What can I be consistently good or relevant within? And then you have to adapt to it, which is something that I've done very well. Like skating, what is this, The hockey term is like, it's not skating to where the puck is, but it's getting where the puck is going to go a very unique position to understanding where things are going.
0: What's also your personality type, right? You said something still resonates, still hits home for me. It's executional excellence, right? So you have that, you're able to follow through with an idea, then you're already 10 miles ahead of everybody else. It was so funny. I I was asked to speak at Affiliate World. I've never done affiliate marketing. I think the first time you ever heard that was me slacking you one day. I'm like, I never did that. And you're like, what? I'm like, no, I they asked me to do it. I was just doing Facebook ads. And I really wanted to do the best possible job and then bring that level of excellence to every presentation, whether it's GeekX or whether it's at the mall. I don't care. That needs to be presented, okay? But then the next thing, too, is that you're able to pivot. And to be able to pivot is how you are a good marketer. You're never one thing. So if you're really good at one siloed skill set, your longevity, it's almost non-existent. There is an end date to you. So if you're worried about that end date, whether it be AI, whether it be another technology that comes up that we're not even aware of, just understand that the more you learn outside the box, the more you'll become like a Nick where you're able to adapt I think one day when they asked me to speak at affiliate world, I saw, cause could see the list of different speakers. And right next to your name was like TikTok ads. And I was like, what the hell, why is Nick talking on TikTok ads? And then I sat there and went, cause he can, it's probably diving into it. Yeah. Be in a position to be able to go, well, cause she can, or he can, because you're really just getting what you, the value is with your brain rather than just one particular topic, but no, that's really this, helpful.
1: This is interesting too, cause if you think about the audience. Everybody can use more leads, everybody can use more business, everybody can use more interest. And like you start seeing personal brands being built around, uh, physical products. You start seeing personal brands being built around service provi- services that can be provided. It's never a bad reason to jump on stage or share these things in your head because any, whether you're getting new employees or whether you're looking for investment or whether you're looking for any sort of following true, your true fans, right? Everyone talks about how do you build up that true fan base? You just have to consistently be sharing. It's been so good, bad, negative, positive, anything that you can be sharing around any of the projects, you're going to get A, great critique, or B, you're going to get people that are going like, that's super interesting. And they're probably thinking about it right now, which is why if you're ever in the room and you feel like you need to ask that question, which is something that you're really good at, is like, you just ask it because there's probably somebody else is thinking about it, or the way you word it is probably more articulate then how they wanted to word it. And that benefit is so positive for the group that you're in, both online and in person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of failure, I met you at a very interesting time because I was on top of the world at Affiliate World. The first one was an all-female team. I was like bragging to you. I was like, we have an all-female team. It's so sick. I came home. Literally all of them are gone. One put her two weeks in, she was so overwhelmed. It was like in the height of 14.5, right? I was 14.5. Another one's going on maternity leave. That was no surprise. But then she made an announcement. She's, I'm not coming back. I want to be a stay-at-home mom, which I will never knock you for. That's awesome for you. And then the other girls that we had were just slowly phasing out. I'm going to rebuild this team. And I went from being like, yes, we're fucking killing it to holy shit. All the accounts are back on me. The stress levels, everything. You've been gone for a week because you're traveling all these things happened And I came back and it was the hardest thing. I wouldn't say the hardest thing in my life, but it was a hard moment in time. And I had to rebuild and claw my way back up. I guess my question to you is like, how did you crawl your or claw your way back up, knowing that you had to restructure, knowing that you had to pivot, at least with all your businesses?
1: Two things. One, the, so I live a decent lifestyle. I like, I'm not I'm, I don't live above my means. I don't buy or do anything egregious. Anything that's travel is usually expensive for the business. There's no real like vacation or, I don't know, just excess. There's no crazy excess that's happening. So the first thing, the agency, you have massive mouths to feed, 50 plus feet, 50 plus mouths to feed, times it by two, because maybe they have a partner or they have one kid, right? Just being safe. Over a hundred people there. Then you have the people that you're servicing, right? You have actual clients or brands, however many point of context you have. So you look at what we do as a business. If that shit slows or fails, there's a lot of people that are hurt. Second, when you build something that's so tied to who you are as a person, it's like your public success. You live and die by the public. Yeah, it's cool to share like, oh, we failed, but I'm going to build myself back up and I'm going to rise from the ashes and I'm going to do all these great things. Follow me along. You don't want to have to tell that story. That's still a loss. Like you still are going to fucking lose. So I basically felt that there's so much public stress that to fail publicly, the detriment to my pro, the detriment to like the world of Nick on future projects, on investments, on speaking gigs, on, on anything would have been so bad that like we literally could not afford to lose. So though, so this sense of even if it gets bad, even if we're in a situation that's not ideal. You still have to go forward because you have to pull out of this for two reasons. The people that are depending on it and your just trajectory to depend on it, which is something that like I can't wait for my name to not need to be tied to growth, revenue or sales. Cause then you can fade to the back and just produce, which like I have some tests coming out of not being Nick or it not being a Nick thing, which we're getting there. I'm seeing it. It's still just like too close for comfort right now.
0: Yeah, I feel like you're almost the guinea pig in a lot of those aspects. I watch you and I'm like, I wonder what he's doing right now. This is interesting. But no, I love that because like you don't have an option to fail. I I love that. And it's like a lot of pressure on yourself. But at the same time, it's real. You have too many mouths to feed, too many things up in the air, restructuring in a place that's still, I wouldn't say safe, it's enough risk, but it's necessary risk. Also, I love that you're like, no unnecessary expenses, et cetera. Meanwhile, I'm staring at you with the giant pickle rick pickle behind you and (laughs) all the funniest things, which I love by the way. I like worked from your office one day when we're filming Founder, and I look up and there's these PowerPuff Girl (laughs) like signs of top, which I was like, this is sick. This is a little side note, but in reference also to your mindset, and correct me if I'm wrong. The reason why I align with you a lot, and I think the last year you've really platformed me, I appreciate that. But again, it's like-minded people and rooting each other on. It's this athlete mentality. The first episode we had, I was talking to my friend Matt. He was a dancer, professional dancer. I was a professional dancer too. So there's this weird creativity and competition mindset that you have you show up on time you perform you go and then you leave and for you you are a professional soccer player football depending on where you're at and do you feel like that is a big driver of how you show up every day
1: a hundred percent like the if it goes back to the first thing of you're only as good as your last game you're as good as your, your last training session you in sports like you you usually lose There's very few people that are going to win all the time. You're just going to keep getting W's and it's very difficult to consistently win. And I think even me had a crazy chip on my shoulder. Look, I'm six foot. I have incredible, I have great hands. I had good feet. I was a lefty. Like I played the role. I was a goalkeeper, right? I hit the dream team that I wanted to be on the galaxy. And then the coach goes this to my face, career on awful. Never forget this. Never forget this moment. You know, Shaq, you're an incredible locker room guy. You're awesome in the locker room. And I was like, at the moment, I'm like, this is sick. That's awesome. Looks great. It's so cool to hear. And then you like think about it. You're like, I'm person never going to fucking hire. play.
0: You're a person I'm never going to hire. Play. Yeah.
1: I'm like, I'm like the diversity hire, dude. I'm never going to play. And so I sat there and I was like, I don't think this is my life anymore. And so I remember this because I was a year and a half into my contract. And I was like, this is my fucking dream. This is all I fucking ever wanted. And I sit down and go, i go, oh, no. oh this is it. This is, but then you think about this, you're like, oh, I can go travel. I can play in Spain. I can go travel and play in the second division. I can go do all these things. And then you have to make these real typical life decisions of, do I want to pursue this or cha- challenge after this? So I found out, I was like, the decision was, no, I don't want to do that. I want to go build and make money. I want to go do and be the core pursuit that I've always had, which isn't different from the sports is I want to be loved and respected in a space that I care about. That was soccer for a very long time. This is what digital marketing and online and Facebook and Geek Out. And in that bigger bubble, like in a more succinct message, it's like I'm constantly in search of my locker room, which is two things, which is why like at Geek Out, we give hoodies that are the same style every single time because that's not a uniform, right? So there's like a lot of woven depth into all of these core things that a lot of people don't think about, but I really do. The area to be able to feel like you are in the right space at the right time Doing the right thing with the right people is so powerful to continue to build to whatever you want to build. It could be anything at any scale, as long as the progress being made. So when sports ended, that to me turned into everything else I'm going to do is going to be driven by scoreboard. What's the scoreboard in digital marketing? What's the scoreboard in ecom? Units sold and revenue, baby. That's it.
0: So the only
1: way I can know if I'm winning if I'm not, if I, the only way I can know I'm winning is if I look at my bank account or if I look at the brand's bank account, it's increasing.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's super good. Also screenshots, screenshots are the scoreboard. Nick, come on. Oh, all day. All day. I used to do screenshots. That was fun. We had, we hit like a $1 million day and I screenshotted it and I felt gross after, but I did what the boys did. And I think a little bit of, a little bit of respect came my way, but it's not going to happen for a while. I don't know if I could do that again.
1: No, I thought it was going to come back for a minute, but it's, I don't think so. I think the screenshot era, it was, look, it was a tactic and a strategy and it drove interest, which is what it should do. But there's so much context in it. Even case studies, like I feel like it's really difficult to pull against.
0: I'm going to bring them back. Don't worry. I have a strategy in play. I have a full six month strategy I'm working on in terms of like how to bring something that is needed, like a case study back in, but in a different way that's still enticing, right? It's the same. Idea with organic. Everything's been played out. But how do you do it a little bit differently to bring it back to the table and make it effective, which we can go into a little bit deeper later? But yeah, there's a lot of really great things that you said, and I respect everything that you said. So thank you. I'm going to take us into another section, which is called hot takes. I have a hot take prepped for this convo, but I wanted to know in the space, in the life, what is your hot take right now? I have three of them
1: specifically. One, I think UGC content is absolute trash. I don't think this is going to be working at all. You knew I was going there.
0: Um, I was, that was my hot take that UGC is not trash and we will go into that, but go ahead. There's two more. Perfect.
1: <clears throat> Perfect. The second one is partnership over like solo founders. I think, I think if you initial or multiple things that are really unique and special, you cannot do this on your own. I think a lot of people feel differently about this. And the last one is you should share all things at all time. There's a line, like there's some personal stuff that maybe you shouldn't or shouldn't share, generally speaking, default to share it all.
0: Okay. Let's unpack this, Nick, together like a suitcase. First one, UGC doesn't work. First of all, I'm not going to name call you, but I'm going to name call you. Then tell me that breeze shit that I'm sending you content-wise isn't hitting because I'm seeing them as ads. And you know what? I'm like, they never fucking asked me if they're going to be asked, but you know what? I fucking love these guys. I'm going to let them do it, but it, clearly it's working and I'm always going to screenshot it, put it in that thread that she did on Twitter saying UGC doesn't hit because if it didn't hit, you wouldn't be spending your dollars on it for ads. Say I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: I, it's not that you're wrong. It's that like we have such little content that we have no choice but to run. it.
0: No, okay. Here's why
1: I feel this way. Here's why I feel this way. Um, yeah, go for it. To get EGC content that's like successful, you need to have people that understand how to shoot it and how to use it. Like create something that's compelling enough, that's authentic enough, that speaks to the benefits or or the use cases of the product. That isn't a natural way for people to talk. And if you look at any of your feeds at any time, someone's talking about it face to camera about some product or just an experience you're going through. So it's just blending in. It's just like really blending in on a consistent basis. And there's so many ways to commoditize. Look, you just scroll on Twitter one time and you can get hit with like UGC creator or UGC aggregator or UGC X. And it's really difficult for me to believe that that is the only place that you need to play within. I think it is a ring in the ladder of the type of contest that you need. But the value of this, dude, people are charging. We have to do this for Breeze. We have to do this for some of our outreach for UGC creators. The costs we're seeing are coming down. Like Girls and guys that were 200 bucks a post, 100 bucks a post, $250 for a piece of content, that shit's coming down because they know they're not closing these deals consistently. So I'm taking that, that read of the market of how many brands are actually wanting this and moving away from it. Two, you have AI coming out and some of these assets are working. There's some pieces of creative that are not being made with humans, being made with fake humans that are doing the same exact product holding, yeah, maybe not the voiceovers or like the actual day in the life use of the product, but this is a real thing that we have to take into consideration.
0: Yeah, of course. AI is game-changing. These blanketed statements are so dangerous and I laugh at when they're thrown out there, where it says UGC is just doesn't hit anymore. And I'm like, no, the wrong type of UGC doesn't hit anymore. You know, that video I sent, by the way, I sent that video to Aaron a while back. He just sent me a text last night going, oh, shit, I didn't see this. I sent it at your wedding or like a couple days before your wedding or something like that. He's had that asset for a while. (laughs) It was sitting there. But the reason why I did it was an A-B test for my team. So what it was is that TikTok, right? There's a lot of trends going on, songs, whatever. And there's one trend of this really ugly, mm, sorry, this really unfortunate looking filter that you put on your face. I look fire. So I don't care what anyone says. But it's like this really jolting face, right? It's so interesting to look at. And then
1: it looks like a a caveman.
0: Thank you. We'll say it looks like a caveman. Like no eyebrows, big forehead. Okay. The reason why that, in my opinion, works, whether it converts or what it's a thumb stopper, because like you're saying, all you're seeing down the line of your feet are people talking the same angles, the same, I would say, like value props. You kind of have to do it differently. There is a way to make it work. I firmly believe that it's a kind of this low key, selfish desire that I have just to prove everyone wrong, specifically you. To your point, the UGC level of execution is where it's been at. It's not going to hit anymore. Yes. But I think there's a different way to do it. AI, totally different topic. Then again, I always think authentic people being there and creating content is always going to be the best. But anyway, what was your second hot take?
1: Second hot take was partnerships over individual business starters. Where I'm coming from this, let me give some context. So I think there's a, it's like a hot take within the hot take. A lot of people believe that you should just be focused on one core thing. And Mm -hmm. that one core thing is going to be like the biggest thing. Whatever you define big as, whatever you think big people do. to. I believe in our world, there's only going to be a handful of us that are going to hit 100x multiple crazy millions and valuations, massive cash flowing businesses. I think if you're an employee and you're executing, your, you have one core job that you're working at and that you're a career long employee. Awesome. I think the focus there is important too. It doesn't hurt to start something on the side using your same skills. For those that are comfortable with some sort of chaos, some sort of controlled chaos, if you have a skill to build, agency if you're a marketer if you understand revenue if you understand prevention if you understand some sort of communication you shouldn't do one thing because the one thing of that thing turning into again just a crazy multiple or crazy mass cash flowing machine is very limited but the ability for you to have a couple of cash flowing things or we're going to say passive income because there's no such thing as passive income if you have a couple of things that are cash flowing you that you can apply your attention knowledge or training, feedback, consulting, et cetera, do it. For you to do those with any sort of skill, you need to have other invested parties in this that can get it so you're not living and dying by this. So you can have a life, so you can have family, so you can have friends, so you, yeah, you can travel. Those things for our life, and you mentioned that you are like, "Do you have a lot of things going on at once. Yeah, I also have a great team and the communication is super open and everybody knows the core roles. If I can provide revenue, provide partnerships and provide overall awareness and growth, He's executing the role he needs to stay with
0: it. So good. It's so good. So I have three partners or we have three founders at Ad Beacon. And one, the CTO, is he used to be the head of BI, and I've worked with him for many years. Incredible man, obviously executes extremely well in terms of dev, right? He manages a whole team of dev. That's his lane. I'm grateful to have that. Then the other partner has owned an agency, but he actually has a background in project management, which is not my strength whatsoever. Both these people, you'll never see their faces anywhere. They don't really talk. They're not, it's kind of like James, right? You don't really see James as he speaks every once in a while, but a lot of, let's just say GeekX is a lot of your face in the front. These two back, they know that I'll take that lead. Building relationships, building content, having, speaking at events, et cetera. That is my strength. Also communicating what we're building effectively. I know my strength they give me the space to be me. And in terms of revenue, I'm still tied to that. So that's a little bit different. As a CEO, that's your role. But to your point is everybody has their roles to fill because when one person takes on everything or only takes on one thing, it's to everyone's detriment. You can't be everything and you can't only be one thing. So I really loved what you said there. I'm still getting mentorship from both you, Jordan, and all the people in the space. I'm like, hey, how are you guys juggling it? I don't have it all figured out, but I think the structure that we have so far is getting us in the right direction.
1: I also think the importance to allowing a certain a personal assistant. I think this is something that a lot of people are really hesitant to. Two conversations recently about this because I'm very bullish on this. If you spend your time working on other projects uh, and not just one project, you're inevitably there's a lot of scheduling, there's a lot of planning and in the world that I live in, which is events. Speaking, hosting, like you have so much back and forth, and schedules to play with. So I think having someone that understands just Team Phoenix or Team Nick has been really important and valuable. And a lot of people believe I don't have enough for this person to do. Get going and you will soon find out you have more than you thought they would be able to do.
0: So you're not replacing Shanna with AI?
1: No, I don't think so. I look, there's, hey, I listen the, to this. The, Here's open. Try this use motion, which is yeah. like an app that allows you to. It will readjust your calendar dynamically. And I was like, okay, let's give it a try. And it works. I think for people that don't have as much of a dynamic business setup, it'll work. But if not, like, no, you, you need someone responding back and forth with you. For instance, right now, I'm learning how to optimize credit cards. I have never, I've always had the same two credit cards, but now I am spending on multiple ones in my businesses. But then there's also this point play. I also want to go to Japan for three weeks. And I don't want to pay for anything in 2024. There's all these like weird things I'm trying to do. And I was like, I need to understand how to play this points game. I and mean, This is a real, this is a real shit.
0: Dude, I need to tell you how I got business class both times to Dubai. I didn't pay for a business class. And <laughs> it's a point play. It's also like in the end, no matter how much money you make, I don't give a shit. I'm Asian through and through, right? We don't like to spend like the full dollar amount it's not gonna happen so if you need hacks no. in that way great and then if you find out hacks on the back end let me know because i don't want to pay for anything either either like my full honeymoon is already paid for via points all these different things like to me it makes the most sense especially with travel what i think with assistants you've had this conversation with me you're like you need an assistant and i'm like no i think it's also a pride problem i like to be very much in control it's a control freak issue but like you were saying with shanna shanna knows i'm just name dropping her you're welcome she knows what you prioritize, what means the most to you in general. If you're morally, like, more willing to do X, Y, or Z to switch these things around, I'm assuming. I don't know. The inner workings, AI is not going to do that. Unless you have a priority list and if-then statements, template templated out. I don't know. But yeah, I think so. That's a good point. Third hot take, go. The
1: th- I think third hot take was, what was the third hot take?
0: Mm-mm. Did
1: you see partnership? I remember.
0: I didn't write it down. Clearly wasn't that big of a hot take, but I will it say
1: might it's, it might not be piping. It's all good. Oh, okay. Okay. share everything publicly. And it's okay if it's bad. It's okay if it's not a good win or if it is a good win. I think sharing this is really important. Go.
0: My hot take back to you is be careful what you share. So take what Nick says in a very specific manner, hopefully. I don't want to know about your drama online. I don't want to know about your fights with your spouse. If something's going on and you're having a hot day and you want to talk shit about someone, that's not, I'm assuming, Nick, that's not what you're talking about. However, your wins and losses within your business, something that makes sense and it pertains to effectiveness. Is there a takeaway from that win or loss? Definitely bring it out there. and Be vocal about
1: it. I think the one thing that I would never, ever share was like, If you have personal beef with somebody, if you have personal beef with a vendor, if you have personal beef with any of these things, probably wouldn't go that direction just because it is a turnoff to potentially know. Hey, this doesn't go right. Which should happen as a business? Things happen. I don't necessarily need all my dirty laundry aired out. Like business is best if we keep that to each other, and publicly complaining about it, you're going to get people that are going to be like, "Yeah, I experienced this." Yeah, you're going to your misery. Will love that company. But I don't think you need to air out a lot of this negativity stuff. There's ways that you can like subtweet and not even mention them and just share about it, but not point any arrows or any direction. Even that I think is like borderline. Be careful how you're doing this because you're going to employees follow you. Their, Their employees follow you. They're people that take opinion from you very seriously, whether you believe it or not. I probably wouldn't go down that path.
0: And you're at the mercy of me roasting you out loud just because I have nothing to lose. And I don't like that shit. To me, it doesn't age well, A. And B, like, you take away from your soul when you give out such negativity. Like, not to be woo, but that's the truth. If you start to shit on other people, why would you not expect them to shit on you 10 times harder back down the road? And I... When I did model, there's boundaries that you have, right? Especially with social media. I wouldn't share a lot of personal things just because there's an alert. I like to compare a lot of business to dating. When you date someone, you don't tell them every single detail about your life, right? You get to know them. You get to let them know who you are, et cetera. However, as you get to know them a little bit more, you're a little more intimate. You start to share some things. That doesn't mean you share everything and you still want them to be interested in you. So you don't need to air out all your dirty laundry because you want them to like you so bad. And it's the way that I view social media. It's I'm going to tell you what you need to know. I'm going to be raw and honest in the way that I know how if I know that there's an end result behind it. So, yeah, I see you do that very well. You're very candid. You have open and honest conversations. You're one of the few in the space, which I'm grateful that we're in the same circles and we're on the same team. I was like, oh, thank God. But yeah, no, that's great. I think you hit my hot take, which was the UGC <laughs> portion of it. I did. I'm going to keep bringing you back because I don't think you've heard the episode yet, but I did a hot take on D2C guys that are a four in real life. I think they are a 10 because of money. That's good. My, my hot take is I don't care who you are. Don't slide in a DM with any type of sales because if anything, I'm actually going to go out of my way not to give you business because you did it that way. I believe in personal conversation. I believe in unique types of advertising. So if I'm supposedly going to hire you to get me leads, I want you to do it in a unique way for me because I know you're going to bring that level of excellence to the business if I'm going to pay you. That's just a little insight to anybody, right? If you're going to hire me for content, look at my content. Duh. So if I'm going to hire you for leads and you're sending me a cold DM that says, hello, miss. Or, I think someone called me Ha instead of my actual like instead of Phoenix. it was like, okay. Hot take is I'm gonna come back harder, and mean if it's pushed. But yeah, I don't know. it's my thoughts.
1: I'm with that as well. Those are solid. I think, I think money allows you to be who you've always wanted to be, good or bad. And I think if you're good before money, and understand that, y'all like, there's it's good to have guardrails. It's good to have. limitation to what you actually want to do so you just live within your means it's just always like sound advice i have i've seen what money does to a good amount of people and it's just who they've always been now they just have the means to do it and they don't really care as much
0: well okay speaking of money there's two things i want to rat it out with there's something we've been doing that just organically blossomed on this podcast and i think it's a really good conversation because my assumption is that people who are listening to this podcast get the allure of, oh, Nick Shackelford or all these guests that I have, and then want to hear about them. And the allure is usually this fictitious idea of who you are and how much money you make. It's just my assumption, right? So I want to take us back to where we started because that's what really we came from. So what was your salary at your first job?
1: Oh boy. So we'll say the LA Galaxy was $17,500 a year. That was a Galaxy. And then Resolution Media was $4,200, either $4,150 or $4,250 right there. And then after that, it went, that was then my first jump was working with Tim Bird and Agency Y. Then it was like, that was the first year. It took me three years to get to this, like a six-figure mark without bonuses or anything. It was like, I think it was 111 yeah. One, one, one across the board. And then at common the thread, there was like s- such a very, bar- it was still six, but it was such a variance of sales. Cause I was like sales plus rev share plus bonuses. And so it took me a little bit of time to, to get to like that speed spot. But then as soon as you got, I got there, then it just went way quicker than I thought. Like, it's weird. Like you get it, you feel comfortable with it. And like my relationship with money has always been very unique and different because we came from, we live in orange County, California. And if you, If you live, we live in Orange, Orange County, which is like a very high net worth individual area. And we came from like a pretty broken, I don't want to say super broken, but like we came from a divorced middle class family, both mom and dad work. And we were what we call sports for every dollar we spent was on the sports for my sister, my my brother. And so there was excess and we knew where we as kids, our cash stands, which is like very, you're 10, 11, 12, 13. You're like, oh fuck we're eating the same thing again because that's what we have because of that training or we have to pay for a training or something like this. And so it took me a little bit of time to understand my relationship with money. And even now, like I have really good systems of checking and understanding and spending. And which is why I, I drive to have multiple streams of cash because I need that. Like it's my safety blanket of, that like I have 12 streams. I can't have less of this or if I have, there needs to be a real reason why. And That's like a huge topic. I think in this space too.
0: Yeah, that's good. I was thinking, who I was talking to about this, the generational wealth is where my head's at, but it's not so much. What can I get now? But what can I give my family down the road? Cause my mom, me, that was it. I'm her only child. So she built an empire, whatever that is to anybody for me without letting me touch a single dime of it. But she taught me how to keep it up in case she did pass or what that looks like, what I need to build, et cetera. And it's nowhere near where she is, but I'm so grateful for it. And uh, no, it's really good. So my first job was 38.5, I believe, or 38.7. And I negotiated the fuck out of it. And I was juiced, Nick. I think I was more juiced for that than I was for my highest salary to date. And Why is because you work so fucking hard to get in, to just get your foot in the door, and to not do something that you feel is like the lowest that you've been at. Which I've been, I've been, and I used to work at like a yogurt shop. I was a bartender. I was a waitress, terrible bartender and waitress, but like I said it before, I flirted my way out of it for a good tip. Yeah. Also too, like with money, I grew up a little bit differently. I did grow up with money around me, but I didn't have access to any of that money. So I saw like the worst sides of money and that doesn't drive me. If anything in my dating life, I repelled anybody who made money because I don't want to be anywhere near you and I don't want this power play. But if you do have money and you're in a place where you do have multiple streams of revenue and you are building generational wealth and you're building assets, I would encourage you to do what my mother did as a product of my mother is Teach them principles. Don't let them have a dime of it. Because I grew up very similar to you. If I had $30 in my bank account, I had $30 in my bank account. I don't get to tap into mom. I don't get to tap into whoever. And it shows you how to be scrappy, shows you what it's like not to have anything. But of course, if she has it, it's a weird complex, but I do think that it's important. For example, I had structure. I couldn't get pregnant and I had to graduate. With my bachelor's without getting married or pregnant, for me to potentially tap into the will when she does pass away. Whether or not that's actually true, that kept me in line. <laughs> like little things like that were super great. Whether or not you do come from money, don't come from money, there's a way to do it. And uh, yeah, that's all I'll say. Last thing before we head out if one person is about to graduate from college or these people are coming out of university, what would you tell them? What's your word of advice to them?
1: I'd say, my, I always get the same advice. If we could, if you can get it to, if you can get attached to an agency where you're able to spend money, learn about getting it to others, I have to allocate your, your own dollars. Take that as fast as possible, especially now that everybody's remote. Like you have the ability that if you have good time management, if you have good communication skills, you can manage multiple things at once. I wouldn't, I don't recommend you be facetious. I think you, you lie. I think you be honest. Do what you say you can do, but be open to multiple streams of income earlier on before you had to go in, clock in and work for a company. you can only work for them, and you hope when you drive home, you get enough time and space and energy to work on the second thing. Now you can essentially be at your computer, operate across a lot of these other companies, potentially earn more than one just core job. In this space, I think in digital, you miss the heyday of what Facebook used to be like or what growth used to be like. So, you're everyone's operating at the same space if you're jumping into it now. And like we have good learnings from the past and we can apply it, but it's still, we still have the same tools that you have it as well. There's something unique or sexy that we've learned over the years because of what the leveling of the field happened in 2017. But I think jumping in and taking on as much as you possibly can while everything is still remote first, people that want to push back in uh, offices, but just take the opportunities that you have and stay digital.
0: Love it. I actually agree with it. So I won't argue with you on that one. Nick, thank you for being on the podcast. It's always a pleasure. It's always an honor. I appreciate you.